Welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast. We are going to break it down. Whatever this is, what is it? Week seven? Seven. Week seven. seven. Here we go. Um, we've got uh, Trevor Sikama and Eric Eager with us here on, on the program. Thanks for stopping by, guys. How's uh, how's life? Are we all good? It's good. It's good. Week seven. I mean, we're still hanging in there. I don't think that we're off the rails too much, Eric, although Eric has to see a lot of me because he does two shows with me, the college show and the NFL. So uh, maybe I, I'm speaking for him. Look, the money's green no matter what, uh, and the betting, especially in college football, has been good this year. Is that right? Yes, yeah. I always thought that that would be our biggest advantage is that nobody has the information we have on college football, right? And, yeah. and, you're, and you're like deranged. You, you watch it all. <laughs> I, I, I can't even keep up with the NFL. I went Cincinnati game just to get away from it on Saturday. <laughs> did with did you bet it? Yeah, yeah. Well, because – of course I did. What does this look like? What was that? So did you win? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like I get there, I'm like explaining my, uh, you know, the, the average like uh, father is like scared that their kids will ask them about math problems and homework. But I just, I'm praying to God that like my kids don't have, ask me what offsides is. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm watching this game and FC gets down one, nothing. And I'm like, okay, I need to sweat. I can't, I can't watch this game. I'm like Pete Rose. I can't watch this game without having some ride on it. So I bet Cincinnati plus one and a half goals and the game ended one, nothing. So I was like, okay. It's so I could do it. So as long as it's one nothing, then yeah, you yeah. I, I, that's why I basically bet there would be no more scoring, and it, that happened. It's so funny. We have bets for college football and NFL football, and every now and then Eric will say something. I'll be like, "Man, I don't think that's gonna happen." Like I'm going against Eric this week, and almost always I'm wrong. Eric's yeah. always, and so like I keep trying to push Eric against the wall, and um, you know what? It, it has. Trevor, Trevor did get on my side last week with Kentucky covering oh, against never, Georgia. Ne- never, so that, that was that was, that never was late, job. right? Never, never that, was, that, that is, was a championship drive by Kentucky to backdoor <laughs> that spread. God bless him. That that makes six straight weeks now. My phone is wrong during the podcast. You'd think at this point that I would actually know to turn it off. Person. All right, here we go. I, I, this is my favorite way to start these shows. Our PFF team of the week. All right, let's, do it. let's go down and and we, we kind of stop on the surprises. Okay. Okay. Carson Wentz. I'm going to go right there, right off the bat. He hit the big plays against the Texans that that team has really been missing. And if they can do that, maybe. I I mean, it's it was been, Houston, but right. But it's still like whole season has been night and day for Carson Wentz. And you know, sometimes of course, like it's the familiarity with Frank Reich again being in, being in Indianapolis when he had a lot of success with him in Philadelphia and. Sometimes that's what it is, but sometimes you should to change the scenery, right? It, he was clearly not in the right headspace in Philadelphia, and it's not like the guy got worse at the game of football. It just vanished. He, for, is, for he a, is an RPO guru. And, and, he is. And you can see he's still not moving yet. He's still not, you know, with that foot. He's. I'm going to give it about 80%, maybe 70% there right now. They're, they're confining him. I think the biggest statistic you could take from him is his he's, – his, 7.8 average depth of target is the lowest in his career. The only one that comes close was his rookie year, which is uber conservative. His 0.4% turnover-worthy play rate is the lowest in his career by a country mile. He has just one turnover-worthy play. Yet eight yards for pass attempt would be his career high if the season ended today. So you're looking at a Frank Reich situation. That It's not like they have brilliance at wide receiver either. Hilton played his right. first week last right. week. Obviously, uh, Pittman yeah, has man. done better than expectation there. But it, it, it's it's a phenomenal team effort by by the Colts. And if you look at the AFC, after like the first six, there's there's one playoff spot open in the AFC. 
for a bad for a yeah. bad team to make. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think there we go. That's was, what I'm doing on, <laughs> on Sunday night football. Let's pray for that yeah. one spot left in the AFC. Yeah. And, the, and the Indianapolis Colts, when you look at their schedule, they have one of the easier schedules in the NFL moving forward. Um, they have that chance, I think. Um, you know, which they, is they did. They got the running game going, and they get maybe get Quentin Nelson back this week. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, T.Y. Hilton kind of pulled a quad in the thing, so I'm not sure he's going to be back, but we'll figure it out. Uh, Aaron Jones of the Packers against the Bears. No yep. huge surprise. C.D. Lamb is just he, – he was my favorite player coming out of college. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. Yep. I just think he's phenomenal. Uh, Odell, how about Odell striking and making the list? Yeah, so Odell Beckham Jr., I, I looked this up, weeks one through five, his average depth of target was 18 yards. Like, they were clearly just using him as a deep receiver. This week, his highest grade yet this season, only 10 yards of average depth of target. So much different. They had him running different routes and different things like that. And I wonder how much it changes with okay. Baker Mayfield out. You well, know? and with Odell out, because Odell's not going to play tonight. Right. And so it's it sucks that, like, in Cleveland, it's never really worked out for him. It is, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it, it's just amazing. And even then, like he he got open and dropped the fourth down pass in the red zone. That yeah, people have gotten it down to, to one score. Yeah. Like this offense is just out of sync. It'll be interesting to see, and I don't know when this this will come out before the game tonight. But like it'll be interesting to see where you have Stefanski, who used to coach Case Keenum. Right, you're gonna have Case right. Keenum, and Keenum has had when he when he was at his best in Minnesota was throwing to guys who were separators, Thielen, Diggs. And you think and, about And he was a wild man. He, was, he was a wild man everywhere. But those guys are so open that you're not throwing the yeah. picks you're throwing in the weaker teams that you're playing for. Yeah. So I wonder if you're Cleveland, you have a good offensive line once it's healthy. You have a great offensive mind in Stefanski. You have receivers that can get separation. You have a quarterback that's willing to sort of put the ball out there. Yeah. Um, you know, Bruce Gretkowski talked about it on a podcast you know, why maybe they don't gel. It's, it's, you know, when Odell's kind of a freelancer sometimes at the top of the route, maybe somebody like Keenum is better for suited for a player like that. Well, he might run like around, Baker. buy a little time yeah. and, and allow that. So uh, Jacoby Myers, Mark Andrews, those are the tight end, a flex player. Jason Peters. How about that? Jason Peters coming back in uh, at age, what, 38, nine? What yeah, is he, th- now? he yeah. No, he's 39. And that was a big hey, how much are the Bears actually getting out of Jason Peters? Because Eagles fans were the ones who were saying that he's not what he used to be. But albeit a not great Bears offensive line, he's the best guy there. I, I mean, it just took – I mean, when he first got there, I wasn't sure he's going to be able to get off the bus. And right. now he's like the best player. <laughs> Quentin Spain, we've got a Bengals guy on there here. He's amazing. Yep. David Andrews, the center from the Patriots. No stunners. Zach Cincinnati Martin. Cincinnati Bengal to make a team of the week since you. Chris. <laughs> Can I – hold on. Can I give a shout-out to Jacoby Myers real quick? Because I, I found out this stat when I was researching for this show. He has the most receptions and the most receiving yards of all time for an NFL player that does not have a touchdown. Yeah. He he oh, he, he has he does stat. not have a touchdown oh, yet. He, so it's they, I feel so bad for him. Oh, they hate that stat because every time it's been mentioned on every broadcast <laughs> of every game, and they're like, just don't don't even don't even go. There. I heard it for the first time this week, and I my mind was blown. Cornelius Lucas, Zach Martin's on this list every single week. He's yeah. unbelievable. Right. Uh, Armand Watts the, the, from the Vikings. There you yep. go. One of your yeah. Vikings guys. Cameron Hayward was great. I, I, we were watching that game. Randy Gregory coming Rand, all the way up. Randy I'm, Gregory almost killed Mac Jones last week. I, I'm going to tell you what. Randy Gregory, like somebody that, that has gone through what he's gone through, right? You expect, I, I don't know what the stereotype would be, but you kind of go, oh, he's that, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the most thoughtful guys 
I mean, he is – when you're engaged with a conversation, when you can't cheer any harder for this mm -hmm. guy. You just can't. Plays and, really hard, too. Oh, and that's I, a, and I, men's, like, uh, that's really helped him. I think he's been, he's been great. And so it go, I think it goes, it's like the Carson Wentz thing. Like, they're just playing with confidence. Like, they're comfortable. They're in the right spots, and their talent is able to shine because of that position that they're in and how much confidence they're playing with. And you absolutely saw that. Like you said, mm -hmm. he almost killed Mac Jones last week, and that's the kind of that's the kind of play that he's, he's using right I, now. I mean, when he's on, he's I, – I do. I cheer for the guy. Uh, Josh Allen for Jacksonville, of course, that is not the quarterback. That is the, the edge rusher. Although but. Josh Allen, the, the quarterback, maybe could do a little edge rushing. He's big enough, it feels like, to maybe do <laughs> that if he wants could. to. He definitely could. Uh, Darius Leonard, who still, I don't think, is right off of that uh, ankle at all. Right. I mean, he's still yeah. limping around, but he was making plays all over the place. Uh, Derek Barnes, uh, back against the Bengals. There you go. Bashad Breeland. Uh, Coming up big there, uh, Chidobi Awuzie. The Bengals are, like, littering yeah. this thing. They were uh, tearing it up against the Lions. Uh, Taylor Rapp, uh, you know, he's just kind of a guy. He's not that flashy, but he keeps making plays. Derwin James, yes, of course, we know yeah. one of the best in the league. Yeah. And Amani Hooker uh, against the Bills. So maybe they needed that kind of great free safety look there. I really liked Amani Hooker when he was coming out of the draft. He just seemed like a guy where the, the top of his scouting report was – his awareness he just always seemed to know where the ball was going and you could see him being a step ahead of everybody else that was exactly what we saw this past weekend he was anticipating where the ball was going whether it was at the line of scrimmage deep down the field i thought he played fantastic money hooker did he, he was the ohio state guy right iowa oh okay i yeah. got you I got yeah. who was the ohio state guy wasn't there malik a... hooker ah, i got you yeah right. there we go there we go gotcha. who i also liked but you know one career has been a little bit better one's than the other. better than the other there you go all right, how about now, let's get into some of the big games, and we'll spend a little time with some of these things. The Chiefs against the Titans. The Titans are a team, and unless you've actually watched them play a little bit, when they come on the field, it looks like the Gladiators coming on the field. I mean, even the wide receivers, like they just, yeah. like you can almost hear the earth shake as these guys are, are coming out on the field, at least offensively, Derrick Henry, the whole bunch of them. Uh, going up against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are in a spot right now. I mean, you talk about, I know it's your team, but trying to stop the run, and now you have Derrick Henry coming in here. What up? When we're on our show, I always just bring up the Chiefs and then let, like, just give it to Eric, and he just takes it away. So that's, yeah. that's what we're going to do here. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're in a rough spot because they can't get a good pass rush. Frank Clark has been almost non-existent for them. Uh, against the run, they, they've struggled as well. A guy like Derek Nottie, who has traditionally played well for them, has not. You know, And then there's the issue with Chris Jones. Like Chris Jones has not played in recent weeks. But when he's played, they've played him at defensive end, and he is not like – an edge set like he's not a natural defensive end so they just struggle he's the guy them. out there yeah yeah I mean, and, he's a good player still out there but mm -hmm. he's not he's not what he is inside. yeah like they envisioned kind of the john randall thing where like they're you know john randall could play like every position on the d-line like a pro bowler and they could mix and match and i think they overestimated chris jones you know what's going on with him right that wrist yeah it's, like he literally cannot like everything with a d lineman is jamming yeah, yeah. your wrist right. into somebody yeah, yeah. and you know, so he can't do it. So I think they were thinking, all right, we'll put him on the edge and maybe he can work with his good wrists and mm. try and come off yeah. of there. And it's just, it's a, it's a hard spot because I mean, 
I mean, they just don't. This Michael Dana is a good player, but he's kind of their third DN. But and, even you know. he, like, he's gotten sacks, but, like, all of their pressure rates are under 10%. Right. right? And if you good. can't get a pressure on more than 10% of your plays, you're just not going to win in the NFL. And, you know, what they did in their Super Bowl year was they blitzed a lot more. And I think, like, one of the things that could help them is they got Daniel Sorensen out of there, which I know uh, in your game a couple weeks ago it was a mess. And they got Daniel Sorensen out of there. They put Juan Thornhill, the former second-round pick, in there. And I think if you blitz, you can maybe generate some pressure, but you have to tackle when the ball gets released. And with guys like Sorensen out there, they just weren't tackling enough, right? right? And so – um, but but ultimately this game, and and I think the rest of the Chiefs season, is going to come down to how well – uh, you know, the Chiefs can score. And right now the Chiefs are getting a, a score uh, on 51% of their drives. And that's fourth in the NFL. Um, you know, a lot of that, but, you know, a lot of that will be cleaned up with, with, with getting rid of turnovers. Um, and if they can do that, I think they can compete with the Titans. But, you know, long-term, it's just unsustainable to ask your, t- your offense to score on 60% of drives. And so is, are they trying to get a running back right now? I mean, I keep hearing Mac from Indy is the one that everybody seems to be going oh, yeah. after right now. Well, they, you know, the, the really tricky thing was they, they thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire was going to be that sort of like James White for them. Because yeah. like the issue with them is when they throw the football, Mahomes doesn't feel comfortable just outletting it to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Last week with Damian, uh, sorry, with Daryl Williams, they did that three times. He forced a missed tackle on all three of his catches, nine yards a catch. Like, it's weird, but, like, that was also when they won the Super Bowl. It was Damian Williams who kind of did the same thing. I think they'll be fine with these backups that are in, McKinnon and him. But when Clyde comes back, the question is going to be on early downs when you decide to throw the football. If your quarterback's not willing to dump the ball off to the running back when things aren't there, you're going to see a lot of what we saw in your game, Chris, which was nothing's there and he's just going to ground it in the middle of the field and they're going to play for another down. And against some defenses like Washington, you can – I think they were something like eight for eight on third downs in the second half. But you can't do that against the Bills. You can't do that against right. good teams in the NFL and win consistently. It's just so shocking to me that Edwards Hilaire is is so far removed from the player that he was at LSU. Because I get that that team was incredible. They were stacked mm. across the board. They had all the offensive weapons to thin out the boxes and everything like that with the spread that they were running. But still, when Edwards Hilaire got the ball, whether they were handing the ball off to him or whether it was with him as a receiver, he looked great. He, he looked like that RB1 type like he was drafted to be in. He just has not been that for Kansas City, and I agree. They're missing that element of their passing game is having that running back be able to be that dependable guy to get you a couple yards. He like has not been Brady in. had Kevin Falk before and James White after that. Yeah. And Shane Vereen in the middle, right? Like you did the Super Bowl against the uh, the um, Patriots. Shane Vereen had like 11 catches in that game. Like that that's the kind right. – like these offenses have super low, high floors when you can dump it to a back and get six yards. Yep. And, and unfortunately for Kansas City, like they, they resort to running the ball on early downs, which is not that high, you know, ceiling. Or they – or like they just they, – they ground the ball. You know, Mahomes runs around and, get, you know, wrist injury and stuff like that. They need a running back to come out of the backfield and make plays. Yep. You know, they, they really looked at this, I think, as if we just fix the offensive line coming out of the Super Bowl, of yeah. course, Mahomes chased all over the place. They do. I, I like what they did on the offensive line, Tooney, and these two rookies, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, fantastic. Uh, they go out and they sign Orlando Brown, and yet it, it hasn't – it either hasn't come together or it just I, – I, maybe it's just going to take time. I, but Tennessee, defensively, can they hold up? I mean, especially on the back end, you – 
we talk about the bad matchup with you know Derrick Henry running the ball against this Chiefs defense. Right. Flip side's true, right? If they can can Tennessee get any pressure on Mahomes, they, they lose Farley in the game. They the Fulton. I mean, there's they've got issues back there. Yeah, I mean they have some studs along the defensive line. They've got Harold Landry. They have Jeffrey Simmons. Right. They've got some good guys there. And you know Tennessee always just feels like this team that is like this giant killer when you don't expect them to be, right? I mean, the Chiefs in the regular season a couple of years ago, New England in the playoffs, Baltimore in the playoffs, obviously Buffalo last week. Like, all of these games where you go, okay, the Titans aren't going to win. They do, and they, they don't, don't even just look competitive. They win the game, and so I, I feel like I can never count the Titans out of a matchup. And so, yeah, I mean, the secondary doesn't look great on paper against the Chiefs, but whose secondary does, really. I just yeah. have to look at how well Tennessee is continually coached and think that they got a chance. Yeah, I think it's weird because I do think that Tennessee is coached interestingly, like, on the margins, right? Like, I don't think they go for the right fourth downs, et cetera, et cetera, but they, it just does seem like they're bigger than the sum of the parts oftentimes. Yeah, and you right. also saw this in that game. Like, they didn't play well in the game against Buffalo, really. They got, like, Buffalo moved up and down the field. Mm -hmm. They settled for field goals, right? And they got an interception by uh, Kevin Byard that really helped them out. But in the first half of that game, it was one long run by Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. It was one Julio Jones catch off of, like, somebody's helmet. Right. And, like, other than that, the offense didn't do much of anything. And you look at Tannehill the last three seasons, nine yards per attempt his first year in Tennessee, 7.9 yards per attempt last year, and now 7.3 yards per attempt this year. Right. I, it, they, it is not getting better there, but they're kind of like Derrick Henry continues to hang on. Like we, we talk about regression with running backs. We talk about, you know, falling off a cliff and like Henry is like seemingly breaking all of the codes. Yep. Uh, and, and it's holding, it's keeping them afloat. Chiefs four point. Yeah, it's four and a half. It got all the way out to five and a half and people have bet back on the Titans. It's an interesting one. Like last week, the Titans at home mm -hmm. on Monday night football were six point dogs to Buffalo this spread would seem to suggest that the Chiefs, although the Titans get like a, a little bit lost because they have one less day of rest, this would seem to, su to suggest that the market thinks that the Buffalo Bills are like two points better than the Chiefs. Which I, I does that make sense to anybody? Like uh, it, it just depends. You know, I, I've got a theory on on picking games and all that. Uh, one is that when the team's coming off one of their best performances, like Tennessee did, I mean, to, to beat Buffalo, that was raw, that was emotional, that yeah. was crazy, yeah, right? sure. And and generally, you don't put those performances back to back. Well, that was the point of Buffalo, right? The yeah. point of betting Tennessee on Monday night was Buffalo was coming off a very similar win against the Chiefs. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so now you've got the same thing coming back here, and the Chiefs in desperation mode at this point, and the Titans, people are telling them, that maybe they're a Super Bowl team now. You know, I, I, I don't like the emotional combination here, even right. though my gut tells me, you know, the Titans can just go bully them. You know, yeah. I, the other part of the Titans is Mike Vrabel. I, I mean, he's just, he's like an old Forrest Gregg kind of guy. Like, you're almost afraid to lose with him as your head coach. Like, he right. might just come and go, bam, you know, and just like, <laughs> like, like bop you on the head or something. But, um, I, I really do think that there's something about the ability to pound somebody the way that this team can, especially against, you know, a team struggling against the run. And then you throw those friggin' two big monster receivers down. Now, is Julio right. out? They're both banged up. Yeah. I think that they're both probably going to play. Um, Seems like it. A.J. Brown was fantastic Monday night. Right. You know, uh, and that was the first, I think, good game he's played. 
uh, all season. Um, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, like the Chiefs, the interesting thing about Kansas City, and they've remained this way, last season only the Rams gave up less yards to wide receivers than Kansas City. Hmm. The the teams that really gave the Chiefs fits, it was one of your games, right? The, the Raiders with Darren Waller gave the Chiefs fits on defense. You know, you know, early on, who was the guy that scored the touchdown last week for Washington? It was Ricky Seals-Jones. Yep. Like, the, the Chiefs give up explosive plays to players that aren't wide receivers. And so the weird thing is, is I, and I think this is why the Kansas City Chiefs have matched up well with Tennessee a few times over the last couple of years, is that, like, they, for some reason, Spags does limit wide receiver production. The question, be, and Dawson Knox was the guy that went got loose on them on Sunday Night Football. Like, the mm. Anthony Ferkser is probably the guy you want to play in fantasy this week, it, right. you know, and, and that to me is like a weird, uh, you know, like I said, I, it doesn't add up to me how the chiefs can stop Tennessee at all. But I think like that may be one where it's like Tennessee ha hammers you with Henry, but what they do is they kill you with Brown right. and they kill you with right. Jones. Right. And maybe the chiefs are, are better against that than we think. Yeah, I think it does. It takes a little bit of both for, for it to work with Tennessee. It's yeah. not just one or the other. I think everybody loves to obviously praise what Derrick Henry does, but it is what Derrick Henry does, and then the handful of big passing plays that they might be able to get. That's how you get a Tennessee Titans win. And if the Chiefs can – doesn't look like they're going to shut down Derrick Henry, but if they can just shut down what they might be able to do on the outside, perhaps that's the recipe that could be enough. And, and, the, and the thing there is the Chiefs have lost these games because they've turned the ball over. Right, they lost the Chargers game because they turned it over. Yeah, and they, they can't stop anybody once they do turn exactly. The ball over. They, they lost the 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 Ravens game because they turned it over. The Bills game was the one game they probably lose no matter what. The every other team hasn't, you know, and so the issue becomes like to beat the Chiefs, you almost had to score on every drive. And now that the tables have turned on the Chiefs, and like they have to score on every drive to overcome their deficiencies, right. And I think that's the kind of game this is. There, they, there's so much pressure on Kansas yes. City now because teams are forcing them to go 15 plays and Correct. just dink it and dink it and dink Patrick it. Patrick Mahomes is his turnover or his, sorry big time throw rates 3.8 percent this year. It's the lowest he's ever had for the reasons you said. He's, they can't go. He's going crazy. I mean, you can see it. You can see it in the play caller. You can see it in the players on the field. They're like. Ugh, you know, come on, come right. play. It's like somebody's right. hitting you with a jab all night yeah. and won't engage and fight, you yeah. know? Um, the, the other thing is that, and here's my big betting number of the day, 3-13-1 against the spread, the Kansas City Chiefs, which means now for a season's worth of games mm -hmm. that 3-13-1, which we're overvaluing these guys based on what they're doing on the offensive side and Tennessee with their boring style four and one against the spread in the last five games. So it is, it does style draw bets. You know what I mean? Styles does, makes yeah. fights in the betting market. You're absolutely yeah. right. Like matchups matter. Um, I, I think greatly Matt, like, so like last, so the, the Monday night game, the reason why I like Tennessee on the show was because Buffalo likes to play too high and and beg you to run the football. And they didn't play a ton of too high on Monday. They like actually played run defense, but it wasn't it's not their game, right? When you force somebody to play left-handed, it's always and that's why when you look at like scheme uniqueness, we build this metric. Scheme uniqueness positively affects bets you make. So if you play the Shanahan's, if you play the McVeigh's, if you play the Dables, if you play the uh, Romans and the Reeds, those guys do better. Although Reed historically now not so great lately. The making other teams play football differently than they want to is is affects them negatively. Sure. And Buffalo likes to play that. Too. Buffalo is built to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. 
they're not built to beat the Tennessee Titans, you know? And so even though like those, you know, even though Tennessee is not, not as good as Kansas City, maybe they match up better. And that's like part of the betting, you know, handicap here. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you win two hundred free dollars in bets if they win you win with the promo code pff this week at DraftKings sportsbook an official betting partner of the nfl must be 21 years or older new jersey indiana and pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required one per customer restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER Whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions can help set the stage for winning strategies. Western and Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both. And every football or financial question that you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernandsouthern.com backslash askchris. One more time, that's westernandsouthern.com backslash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Right now, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use the promo code COLLINSWORTH. Grades and data are live for every single player who logged a snap last week. Go check out the highest graded players from week six and look to find early value on spread picks and player props for week seven. What do you get with a PFF subscription? Well, you get all of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL college football betting dashboards, which are our grade-powered projections, cover probabilities, and betting values. You get the 0 to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team, player prop tool, which shows you the plus-minus value for every NFL prop, and much more. Support the pod. Use the promo code Collinsworth for 25% off any sub. Let's talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers and uh, Aaron Rodgers with the whole thing with uh, I own you and, and all of that, which... Of course, it's a social media sensation right. now, right? Right. But I, the interesting thing about Aaron right now is I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares about anything right now. You know, he's just sort of he, – he's like this edgy guy. He, he started doing podcasts, which mm-hmm. has given him a vehicle to go, oh, yeah? Well, let me tell you what I think, right? Right. right. And, and it, it's, it's kind of okay with me. I remember the press conference at the beginning of the year. I go, I've never heard 
anybody in today's world just be honest at a press conference. It's it's a little bit refreshing. All the stuff that's inside the brain of Aaron Rodgers is just coming flooding out of his mouth right now in right. a way that it's like a case study. You want to go, dude, this is awesome. And I always knew you sort of thought like this anyway because right. that sort of edgy chip on your shoulder drives you to greatness sort of thing. But this is – this is becoming a little bit of a weekly kind of thing now. When we always get the best quotes when players are fed the hell up, right? I mean, with whatever situation of is, course. when it's coaching, play calling, guys around him, situations, whatever, when that emotion boils over. And I think for Aaron, you know, you talk about this year being so different for him. I feel like he feels the same kind of pain that Packers fans do. And it's like, our team's gone 13 and three the last two years, right? I mean, we were, we basically had home field advantage all of the year before we had home field advantage last year and it wasn't enough. We didn't get there. We had the MVP at quarterback. Aaron Rodgers did everything he possibly could have last, last year to get his team to a Super Bowl and to win another one in his career. And it still wasn't enough. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is just fed up at this point. And I think that we're going to see it throughout the regular season. He's going to get overly emotional. He's going to continue to speak his mind because he doesn't care anymore. I think that, he has followed the book or done things the way that you're supposed to do it as a quarterback, and it's got him regular season success, and here he is with one Super Bowl and an unbelievable career and just one Super Bowl to his name. So I think I think we're getting the full leather jacket, bike riding, long hair slicked back, sunglasses, Aaron Rodgers for all this season, and it's going to make for some great content this year. Yeah, I, I, I think – it's so funny, right? Because we've seen these teams in the AFC over the past few years, like they, they play the Chiefs early in the season and they lose, right? Like the Ravens would do this. And then the rest of the season, it's kind of like Lamar, you know, is having these sort of like these games where it's like, oh, where's the engagement and all that, right? And then, you know, Buffalo is the same way. And then finally they get off the schneid. And Cleveland now, after losing to Kansas City in week one, they're, they're not as engaged. I think... Green Bay's kind of like this now, right? Like Green Bay knows Green Bay's Green Bay's big test is months from now, right? right? And right, like, right. and so when you watch them in Week One against New Orleans, it's like, well, I, I can kind of understand why they got their asses kicked, right? Like because, I mean, what you know, New Orleans has way more to prove than them, and like even when they're playing these games, like they didn't play a great game against the Bears. That game, the Bear, they they kept the Bears around the whole time. And it's like he he sticks them at the end. And he's like, okay, we own you. And he, it, but ultimately, like he's just like this stuff is boring because I got to win in January. Right. I got to win he's, in February. He's just he doesn't care and, and about what he's doing. Orneriness right now. to the game. Yes. Where like last year he took his orneriness out on beating teams thirty five three every week, mm -hmm. winning the MVP. And this year he's like, it's sort of weird, right? Like I get this impression that it's just kind of, you know, it's it's kind of a weird season for them. Speaking of weird, we have any explanation at all for Washington this year? I mean, yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris let, let's let, let's look at let's look at the quarterbacks that Washington beat last year because everybody talked about how great their defense was. The, the this is Eric's favorite thing to talk about. Yeah, I he, love this. He brings it up all this. the time. Yeah, so the quarterbacks that the Washington football team beat last year were Carson Wentz, Ben DiNucci, and Andy Dalton. They injured Joe Burrow, and they, they when they they were behind when they injured Joe Burrow, and then they got Brandon Allen. They got Andy Dalton again and beat him. They got Nick Mullins, Ben Roethlisberger, and Jalen Hurts slash Nate Sudfeld in the game you had in Week 17. They did not beat one good quarterback last year. 
And in the playoffs, when they finally the, and the best quarter they faced Russell Wilson once, they played okay against them. That was when the Seattle offense was reeling, mm-hmm. and they played. I can't remember exactly, but they they didn't play great quarterbacks at all last year's schedule. And in the playoffs against Tampa Bay, we all look at the Heineke because of how well he played. They give up 500 yards in that game. And the only reason they didn't give up 50 points was because Chris Godwin couldn't catch a pass. Correct. This year, the Washington football team's schedule of quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Patrick Mahomes, and now coming up, Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson again, hopefully, Derek Carr, twice with Dak Prescott. Like, the the die was cast on the Washington football team way before this, right? Mm-hmm. And like defense is way more of a product of who you play. And I think Washington football team's defense was more of a defense that can eat up bad offenses than it was a good defense. So you bet that under heavy. Yeah, yes, he, he, you yeah. did. All I right. took a lot he of crap it. for it. I took a lot of crap for it, but I, you know, but everybody, and the other thing is like, this is another thing. And we we're part of big media now, as Trevor likes to say, but like anytime big media is all over a team and it's because of like traditional football reasons, like great defense, tough head coach, you know, Oh, Brian Fitzpatrick. It's like the, and I know Fitzpatrick got hurt, but I don't think we believe that he's going to go toe to toe with the quarterbacks I talked about. No. Like anytime the media buys into a team because, Oh, look at all that D line. It's like, D-line doesn't win in football, right? Like ultimately, it doesn't overcome this kind of this this kind of schedule. So like it was kind of easy and and, and honestly, they might be under their win total. So they they finished the season Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. They have five NFC East games. They might be under their win total even before they get to their NFC East like <laughs> before they get to Prescott. <laughs> yeah, wow. exactly. So yeah. Ouch. No. Ouch. There we go. Well, it's just another shot at Washington <laughs> area there. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. But the Bengals and the Ravens now, uh, are the Bengals ready to break through here? They're 0-5 the last five against the Ravens. You know, you got to man up against, against this Ravens team. Now, you just do. You have to be able to stand in there. But you would think now with Hendrickson and Reeder and something, you know, they're sort of should be built – and then who was it? Logan Wilson, who came out with the comment about, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, and you know he's a running back playing quarterback. And here we go, right? You know, here we go. Let's right. get let's get all the juice going here. Yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing about so Lamar Jackson's first career start came against the Bengals, and they won and covered the spread and all that good stuff. Well, actually, I think the Bengals covered the first game they played together. But like after that, it hasn't even been close, right? Like the Bengals yeah. were were a very competitive team last year. And, and fun and plucky, and you're looking Joe Burrow, and he looks great. And the games where he just absolutely looked like he couldn't play were against the Steelers and against the, and against the Ravens. So it is a step up. The interesting thing about the Bengals, and I don't want to throw cold water on your team, Chris. It's all right. It's very, very to this cold point, water they've, them before. To this point, they've played the second easiest schedule in the NFL. Yeah. After this, they play the second hardest schedule in the NFL. Yep. Yep. So, like, I want to see Joe Burrow, like, sort of emerge – but I think, I think for me, the Bengals might – and again, this, this game here that could change everything. But the Bengals, to me, are more of a great story than a contender for that last AFC right. spot. I, no, I would agree. All due respect to the start that they have at 4-2. and two, I mean, it's, it's great. When you have that kind of easy schedule early on, yeah. it's good that you're taking care of business, right? You can only play the opponent that lines up against you on Sundays. And so it's good that they've taken care of business there. But 
I don't think they're ready for the Ravens, especially not the way Lamar is playing. I mean, Lamar is playing at an MVP-type level, and I don't think the Bengals can keep up with them. I mean, you know, this is a huge game. If the Bengals can pull this off, then all of a sudden we got to revisit how we're looking at the rest of their season because I think it, things get a little bit different. But they're almost a touchdown underdog in this mm-hmm. game, I, and I think that there's a big reason for that. Well, and, I just and, don't think and they're And look, ready. like, I'll say this. It shows you the evolution and everything, right? The Ravens are 5-1. and one. Lamar Jackson's played the best football of his career so far. Yeah. They're at nuts. home, and they're only favored by a touchdown. Like, this game would have been minus 14 last year, like, even with Burrow. Like, it shows. Right. They're going in the right direction. It shows. And, and, and look, like, Zach, when you talk about, like, all the betting markets for first coach fired and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, Zach Taylor was one of the first names everybody was saying. And I think he's bought himself – some time. I think you look at that team. Some breathing room, at least. Yeah, you look at that team, and there, there's good components of the Bengals. They're, you know, I, obviously Chase is fantastic. Boyd's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, T. Higgins is good. The offensive line is held up. Jesse Bates is one of the better defensive backs in all of football. Trey Hendrickson's been productive. Like, there's a lot to like here, and I think this could be a game when you look back at it this weekend and say okay what what good team's going to lose what team's going to be the chargers this week what team's going to be the bills this week holy cow this is a this is a possibility here i i I do think the bengals have a chance in this game you know are are we seeing uh, nfl football goes in cycles right it just does um for a while there you had tiny tiny wide receivers and dupers and the claytons of the world Mm -hmm. and then you had to get tiny cornerbacks and linebackers that could cover them and then all of a sudden people started flipping back and they went to the six foot four receivers and you know the power backs and then they got bigger it just keeps going back and forth you know as we go but right now two of the best teams that we've been talking about clearly now are baltimore uh in tennessee Mm -hmm. and a very old style approach to the game of football i mean it just is it is a pound them with a running game now completely different flair at quarterback running style with baltimore and much more of a traditional with derrick henry in tennessee but run the ball when they come up and play one-on-one coverage against your receivers all right we're gonna throw it then and we're gonna we're gonna beat you with an accurate quarterback um is is that is there something in the atmosphere right now that says maybe we're underestimating that style well maybe so because i I feel like you can correct me if if i'm wrong here eric but i believe over the last two or three years the ravens and the titans are one and two when it comes to rushing in the league Mm -hmm. like they are the teams that rush the football the most and for the most yards but at the same time they're doing that and then also doing things correctly in the passing game. Like when you look at the Titans when they had Arthur Smith as their offense coordinator. Yeah, Henry is their locomotive. He's the guy that they're always leaning on. But when they went to the passing game, it was a lot of progressive stuff. It was motion. It was play action. It was getting guys open. And so, like we already talked about with the Titans, they're able to complement that ground and pound game that is their focal point the way that they need to. And with Lamar, it's you know it's so hard to, to, to say, you know, can you duplicate what Lamar is? Because he's, he's a one of one. But... I mean, I do. I think that there is something to having a strong run game and being a body blows team, if you will, as long as you are then doing the right things you need to do when you pass the football. But, but can, yeah, you, that- can you win it all trying to do that? Now, you know, we've seen teams historically that could do that, but the history of these two teams has been, I know they made it to the championship game, they get in against the best, and ultimately one of the top-end quarterbacks gets them. Yeah, I think that in math we call this like a, the difference between like a, a global optimum and a local optimum, right? Like, So you look at like, you know, you can't start a team from scratch. And, and like I think the Ravens are a great example of this where 
when you've gone for decades without being bad, you're not going to get the top 10 pick that you're going to need to have to get a quarterback that that traditional football values, right? Like, look at what uh, Andy Reid, like, what have, what have the Chiefs had to do? They had to trade pick 27, a third-round pick, and a future one to move from 27 to 10 because the league was out to lunch on Mahomes, right? Like, mm-hmm. Mahomes is a top-five talent. They got lucky that he fell to 10, and they had to move heaven and earth to get him. They also had to trade a, a draft pick, two draft picks, and a huge contract for Frank Clark. Why? Because they're not picking in the top ten where they can select edge players. Where they, those are where the, that's where the Boses, the Clownies, the Watts, sure. and those guys are all, all. So they have to be creative. The Ravens had to do the same thing, right? The Ravens are never going to pick in the top five. They're never going to pick in the top ten. Mm-hmm. They're they have to be creative, and and they sort of know. When, when they took Lamar, they're like, look, we're, gonna, we're not getting the global optimum here, right? Like, this is not – if you could pick a team from scratch, you're almost always going to have a Mahomes or a Herbert or the, that, you know, the, the traditional pocket passer who has athletic ability. But they were picking at 32, and they took Lamar, and they knew that they had to win differently. And I think, like, they, because they're so smart on fourth downs, they're so smart with how they build their roster, they, 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 they traded a kicker, a backup kicker to the Vikings for a fifth-round pick. Like, they're smarter than everybody else. <laughs> and so they can, they can win. So the answer to your question is yes, you can win a Super Bowl doing this. Would it be the first, if you started a team from scratch, would it be the way you wanted to win a Super Bowl? Yeah. No, that, like that's, but they're, they're working within the constraints that they have. In a weird way, they're cursed by the fact that they're always relevant. And right. I think that that's kind of the, the interesting thing. If you could be the rounds and bottom out and get Miles Garrett at one, and then the next year get Baker Mayfield at one, like, you know, that, that's kind of, the, but they don't have that luxury. And then the Titans are similar in that they've never, they had the Mariota at two. But Mariota kind of put them in this kind of middle of the pack range where they could not, you know. So then they they built an offense that's, around yeah, Derrick Henry. Been forever. And, and again, I don't think the Titans can win a Super Bowl repeatedly, but can they win one? Sure. And, yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting because uh, I mean, the Ravens easily could have lost to Indy and Kansas City. I mean, yeah, probably should have lost probably. to those two right. teams, you know. Right. And yep. then we're we're going. What's the matter with the Ravens? Right. Instead, we're going. Oh my God, Lamar Jackson's MVP of the league because he had two unbelievable comebacks. But so. I think that actually fortifies your argument. Like when you look at the Titans, could they win one? Yes, because yeah. I think the games are so close, and they clearly know how to win with their own script. So I do. Th- I do think it's. But possible, if you gave me, even if, if you're going to right, if right, you I know gave me the field versus them, I'm going to take the field. Correct. But right. But if you, but, but like, that doesn't mean it's zero. And, and it just anal- means you wouldn't bet. On we it. as analytics people look at the, we look for the global optimum. But like sometimes these teams deal with realities, and the question becomes like, mm-hmm. when do you decide to make a hard decision? We're gonna, we're we're, we're gonna watch the Browns tonight, right? When do you make a hard decision to move on from Baker Mayfield or right. something like that? Right. When it's not popular, yeah. It, it's not, it's not necessarily gonna win you games this year, yeah. But maybe it's part of a long term plan to win. Like you know that those are those are great questions, and I think like. We, we, we have, you know, we're finally getting to them. All right, we're gotta, I've got to go run do coaches' calls here. Uh, Trevor, I know you were going to give me the top five list from the, the draft this year. We're already off and running here. Woo! Give it dra- to me, baby. Already draft season. Let's do it. Okay, I put out a mock draft this week. Number one overall, not really a shock. Kayvon Thibodeau, the pass rusher from Oregon. He's a real deal, folks. Six foot five, 260 pounds. When he's been on the field this year, he has absolutely looked like a 
type of edge rusher that you would take number one overall, especially when there's not a quarterback there worth it. Eagles are picking. Currently, they are picking three times in the top <laughs> ten because they have their own pick. They have Miami's pick. And then who else pick did they have? What's the third one? I can't remember. They have another They have another pick where it is three. They have the Dolphins? That was the one that I named. Um, Didn't they trade down the 49ers, this year? 49ers. 49ers. Yeah. 49ers. Yes, that's it. So those are the Trey three. Lance. Those are the three first round picks they have the first one number two overall i have them taking Derek singley uh they've needed a corner for a long time now Derek singley's the best one there darius slay playing really well pair those two together uh, yeah and, and, but like even though darius slay like he's 31 you know yeah, like yeah. he's getting up there too so you need singley either way jacksonville jaguars picking at number three currently evan neal the offensive tackle from alabama look folks the investment of a franchise quarterback does not stop once you select them you then owe that quarterback the next couple of drafts to invest in them, get the right offensive line, get the right weapons. That's what Jacksonville needs to do. Houston Texans at four. I have them taking Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. Have absolutely no idea what's going on with the quarterback situation there, so that's all up to change. And then number five, the player who I think has made the most money in college football this year, Aiden Hutchinson, the pass rusher from Michigan. I have him going number five to the New York Giants. They need a pass rusher bad. Their pass rush and their edge rush group is the lowest graded in the NFL right now, and so uh, he would be a welcome. All right, here's here's my my argument. Yes, every year the best players end up on the mock drafts early, and then every the quarterbacks year there's three quarterbacks <laughs> in the top I know, five. You know, I it's know. like every year, no matter I what. I know. I gotta go. I've gotta go talk to D'Amico Ryan's guys. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Appreciate it.